Lord uh, today has given me um, a word that I love preaching. I haven't preached it, but I love preaching this type of word. And sometimes I have to say things that are hard, and sometimes I get to say the things that are easy. <laughs> sometimes we come to our children and we tell them, hey, I've got a present for you. And other times we say, you're in trouble. And we have to be the parent on both sides, don't we? It's the same parent, same love. Sometimes the Lord corrects us and we should take it, right? Because you know what the word says about correction? The word says that if you're not corrected, you're not a real child. So we have to take it, but we don't enjoy it, do we? The word even says, the word says it's not enjoyable during, but there is a reward after. And I'm paraphrasing some different verses, but there's a reward after there is a, uh, a life that the Lord gives us through it. But the Lord has got a good word for you today. I love coming with a, a word of present. And it's not always like that. I can't promise you that it'll be like that every single week, but the Lord's got a present for you today. So I just want you to get excited about what the Lord's going to say. That's something to really encourage you. And I just before I uh, preach, I want you to just, you can stay in your seats. I just want um, TJ to minister to you. And just I want you to read these words and listen to this song. And I'm going to preach from this. Thank you, Lord. Wow, amazing. I had asked uh, TJ about that song last week, then totally forgot that I asked him to do it. And then I was getting before the Lord, and I was trying to see what the Lord's heart was for his sermon. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to talk about hope. And I said, okay, Lord. I didn't, didn't give me a verse, whatever, just gave me the concept. Had totally forgotten that I asked TJ to work on this song, which is just, I love when God does that, when he is really working behind the scenes, doing something. Isn't that amazing? God is so good. And then I got up early by accident because I thought it was 5.30, but it was actually 4.30 because the clock, I didn't have the TV clock in my room, so I was like, oh, it's 5.30, time to get up. So I go into the living room and I realize it's 4.30. So I was like, well, I'm up. Let me start seeking the Lord now. And it was completely dark in the room, and I have a little fireplace, started the fireplace, and then so it was completely black and dark. And then I'm looking, I'm just sitting right in front of it, and I look as the light just starts coming up, and Dawn has a plaque right on top of the fireplace, and it says, in Christ alone, my hope is found, right? In Christ alone, my hope is found. And I said, wow, Lord. And I just felt encouraged that the Lord was saying these things over and over again. And then just to top it off, I had gotten a cup of coffee at 5 a.m., still dark. I grabbed a cup out of the cupboard, and I grabbed the first cup, which, no offense to Dawn, it was dirty, which happens sometimes. The dishwasher didn't do a good job. It wasn't her, and, and one of the kids put it away. So I could have just grabbed another cup, but I don't know why. I took a paper towel, I wet it, I wiped the inside out, and I made my cup of coffee. And as the light was rising, I see the plaque, and then I'm looking at my cup about 30 minutes later, and another verse, Jesus, right out of Hebrews, I'm going to look at it today, my anchor of hope. And I said, wow, Lord, okay, yes, amen. So let's get some hope up in here. We need some hope. We need hope. We need to believe. And the Lord, first of all, I need to say this because I said I would say it every week, and I, I really, really make an in, uh, a a point to say this. You need to know this. It's one of those things that we know and then we get used to, but we need to be told over and over and over again that Jesus loves you. 
It's the simplest thing. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And it is the foundation. We should never stop singing that song. That is the foundation to our faith, that he loves us so much. And when you understand his love for you, which we can't fully, but we, Ephesians, I preached on it recently, tells us, man, I wish, I pray that you could understand the love of Christ, because if you can get his love, there's nothing else. Nothing else compares. Nothing will worry you. There is no fear. There is nothing that compares to his love. And the Bible tells us that everything can come and all these things can come and even in the unseen, right? Spiritual forces come and death comes even. And yet it says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, nothing. So we just need to be encouraged today. I have strict orders from the Lord today, which he said to me, encourage, encourage, encourage. All right, encourage, encourage, encourage. So whatever you hear today, it's an encouragement. I'm going to read all kinds of verses. Some are not necessarily going to sound encouraging because there are stories here that, like Paul, I'm going to look at, went through that didn't, wasn't encouraging during, but I need to be encouraging. You need to be encouraged. Amen. Do we get that? So the Lord is for you. He is for us. In fact, he isn't just for you. Do you know that Jesus means I am with you? His name was, I want you to name him, what, what did we say? Matthew 1, 23, we know, right? We're just on the cusp of this season. Matthew 1, 23, it says, I want you to name him Emmanuel. The name of Jesus means God is with us, God with us, God with man, God with you, not just with us, with you personally. His very name means I'm with you. Sometimes we forget that. We think that God's far off. I do it too. I look up when I pray, which is fine. We can do that of respect and honor, but he's not. I mean, he is, right? I've been saying that Jesus is sitting, sitting next to the right hand of the Father, and yet only because he's God in a way that's just beyond our minds. You have to take human reasoning and you have to push it aside. He's still God on the throne and Jesus is sitting next to him on the throne and yet he's in our hearts. And only that can be in God. That's a concept that you can't get in a, in a uh, math slash science, some sort of reasoning class. You're not gonna get that. Sociology, psychology, you're not gonna get God. <laughs> you can't get it here. But he is within your heart. And that's fine. You can look up. We do, but he is right here, right now with you. He sees every situation. He sees every single tear. He sees every joy. You know, I go through times with the Lord where you're really seeking him and then times where you don't seek him as often. If you've been walking with him, you never forget about him, like completely. The more you walk with him, he is always on your mind. But there are times where you're praying and seeking him more and times that you're not. And usually it's the hard times that you seek him more. That's just human nature. But I love when the Lord starts bringing us into good times, I really make a point so that I don't have to go back into the hard time to learn. I make a point as the Lord brings you into a good time to, to seek him. I even tried to say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna push aside time. Because sometimes time makes you get on your knees. I mean, that's where you are in your life. You have no choice but to be on your face before him. And those times you must cry out to him. He is the only answer. But the times where life doesn't necessarily push you into that situation, you know what I'm talking about, right? Life is good. Life's okay. 
going through some tough things, but life is still going on. And it's easy to not seek him as often. But I, so I just really push myself. I have to do it. I'm not saying it comes naturally, but say, yes, Lord, I'm going to make time for you today. I could run and think everything's good. You're on my side, but I just want to come back into your presence, spend that time with you and seek you and love you and just be in that place with you. And I believe that the Lord is, when we do that, the Lord is really showing us something. He's showing us something when we do that, that he is not just Santa Claus. <laughs> he wills to meet your needs, doesn't he? But he wants to be your intimate friend. He wants to be with you always. And he always is, whether you recognize him or not, he always is. Whether you seek him or not, he is always there. Whether you go looking for him, he is always there. God with us. Jesus means Jesus. Well, Emmanuel, but this is Jesus. He, his very name, his nature is God is with us. So we are not alone. And even when Jesus was with his disciples, he told them in John chapter 14, verse 18, he said, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. We are not abandoned. We are not alone. And then he tells us in Matthew 28, verse 20, and this is in the Great Commission. He says, teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. Tells them, be sure of this. I am with you always. Everybody say, the Lord is with us always. And then he tells them, just in case you didn't get it, just in case you were unclear, even to the end of the age, to the end of time, I'm, I'm never going to leave you. I'm with you always. And he had to prep them because this is the thing that I really want us to get. I want us to get a hope inside of us, a joy inside of us, a life inside of us. It's just, I can, I love looking back and just seeing the season of sermons and just seeing where the Lord was at. And they all do connect together. Sometimes it's hard to connect the dots, but sometimes if we look, there's a pattern. And the Lord wants us to get this internally. Your natural outer surroundings are irrelevant. The disciples, I'm not going to preach on this today. I'm preaching on hope and encouragement. But to be fair, the disciples didn't have a lot of encouraging things happening around them to the world's perspective. Now, to the kingdom, they were having miracles every single day. People were being saved. People were uh, being changed. But they were also being afflicted. But they had found a hope that's greater than this world. They found a hope in Christ that the afflictions of this world became irrelevant. In fact, all it did was fuel them. That when things came to afflict them, it just made them want to preach the gospel more, made them want to seek God more, made them want to make, made them want to uh, find that person in need even more. And we need to get to that place as believers. We need to find that place right now. I feel that imminently. I, don't, I feel like we are in a, uh, a good time in God, but there is a hope that we must grab a hold of right now in Christ and, and attain it now. We need to find that place in him so that whether you've been in a bad time in your life or you go into one or you've been in one, wherever you go in the seasons of life, in your heart, the hope stays the same. Can we do that as believers? Can we do that, church? That's what the Lord's asking of us. And I, um, 
I love that he is not just Lord, as I said during worship, but he is also our daddy. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. You know, when the person laughs before they tell the story? Because <laughs> I'm already thinking of the humor of this. But Dawn and I just gotten married and we had just gotten our first apartment and it was a total slip. But I said, uh, my dad was there working at the house and I yelled upstairs, I'm 20 years old. And I yelled up, daddy. Now it was funny because I'm 20 years old and boys don't call their dads daddy. Girls do, <laughs> boys don't. And, but you know what's funny is that he's my natural father and you know, now it's like, hey dad, hi father. Because <laughs> we're men. But, you know, the Lord says, come to me like a child. He says, don't push the children away. That's the kingdom of God. He is daddy. He's not just father. We need to get him Lord right. Honestly, Lord needs to be right. We need to recognize him as Lord. We can't, and again, because he's so multifaceted, we can't forget that he's Lord. It's like daddy loves you, but then also daddy spanks you too sometimes. But it's not a lack of love. So we need to recognize him as Lord, but it's daddy. And it says here in Romans, just quickly, because I want to get somewhere else, but I just want to breeze through this. It says, Romans 8, verse 15, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. We're not fearful slaves. It says, instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you. Did you know that you've been adopted into God's family? It says that he adopted you as his own children. Amen. Adopted us as his own children. We're talking God of the universe. God of this, over this world that sits above. It says that his throne sits above the circle of the earth. And he calls us children. It says, now we call him Abba Father. And that's what this word means right here. Abba means daddy. It's the most intimate form of father that the Hebrews could use. And it's a little child calling to their dad. It says, his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We're not just his children, but we are even children in and heirs of the glory of God. That's not heresy. That's the scripture right there. I'm not calling you little gods on this earth, but there is a glory that God has that you are inheriting. That's incredible. It is, it's just unbelievable how big and how good God is. It's amazing how big he is, and yet that he humbled himself to such a small little state to us. Like David said, David's like, who are we that you think about us? Who am I that you care about little me? Little tiny us, but he does. He loves us so much. And it says, um, it says, verse 25, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. So he's dead and he even sent his Holy Spirit. Jesus promised him to help us in our weaknesses. It says, for example, we don't know what God wants to pray and the Holy Spirit is even praying. He's groaning for us. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And there's other verses here I could look, but I just want to say this. When a baby cries, the parent begins to learn. Who's a parent in here who's had little babies? You begin to learn the cry, unfortunately, for the baby. <laughs> you start learning the cry. You go, 
That's a hunger cry. Okay, that's a diaper cry. Dad, your turn, right? <laughs> and that's a cry that says, I want to get out. I'm tired, and I don't, but I don't want to be in this crib. I want to come play with you. And as a parent, you make the executive that says, I'm willing to listen to that cry. I'm willing to hear the cry because, baby, you don't know best. <laughs> you think you want to get up and come have the fun, but if you don't get some sleep, that crankiness is going to continue all the way until tomorrow, and I'll be cranky too. <laughs> so we let that baby cry, right? Who's done that? Come on. It, what you learn is if you go pick them up every time they cry, then they depend on that. You have to let them cry. And you know, God is such a good God. He's our daddy, but yet he's also, he knows the cries, doesn't he? And I was thinking about this. It doesn't matter what you get yourself into. You could tell your child, don't go near that snake's den a million times. And when your child sticks their hand in the den, even though you've warned them, don't put your hand in there, and the snake bites the child and screams, what parent is going to stand there with their hands on their hip and say, I told you so? <laughs> now, you may do that after. God does that after sometimes. Okay, now let's learn. Now we got to deal with this. But he will come running. I mean, I just felt the heart of God today. I love when God just gets close to us. He's always, but just when he just pulls the curtains back and pulls all the confusion, all the stuff of this life, and he makes himself known to you. I said, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's always that close, but there's just so much stuff around us all the time. So much junk, and we're going and doing, and all the busyness that we forget. But he is father, daddy father, that comes running when it's a real cry, and he knows that's a real cry. They're in danger. And I'm not there to condemn them from how they got into it. We'll deal with that. I'm good. I'm God, and I can deal with that. I mean, he's going to come running and rescue you immediately. We just need to cry out to him as, as, as babies do because we need him. And if you've been crying in a situation in your life and the Lord doesn't seem to be answering, I want you to know this. He knows what he's doing and he's listening. He hears every single cry. If it doesn't seem like he has answered your cry yet, just hold on. It might not be as imminent as you think it is. That's what I felt like the Lord was saying. Your cry is heard. The Lord hears it. And if the child will rest... The Lord just showed, I mean, such a, I love the Lord. He just speaks in pictures, gives us pictures. That's the Lord's language. The Hebrew language, in fact, was a picture language. And he showed me this whole picture. If the child will just lay down, stop crying and rest, tomorrow you can get up and we've got a whole day to get out and play together. But sometimes we just know, now I want, it, I want out now. I want out now. Now, Lord, now, Lord, now, Lord. And the Lord's like, it's not going to be now. In fact, the more you cry, crankier <laughs> you're going to be. The longer you're going to end up sleeping in to what could be fun tomorrow. Come on, isn't God good? So cry out to him, but maybe, maybe sometimes. And, 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 and the Lord knows. I just, I want to leave that there, but the Lord knows. I had to say that. I had to, I wanted to give you that first and say that. But I want to take you to this. I want to take you to this story quickly in the book of Acts. And it says in Acts chapter 27, 
It says that Paul, who had been a prisoner for Christ, he had been in chains for Christ for a season, and now he was going to go to Rome and, and um, continue the Lord's work there, and the Lord was going to use him there to spread the gospel in that region. And in Acts 27, he, in verse 1, says, The time came we set sail for Italy. And Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. And we had several days of slow sailing. And after great difficulty, we finally neared a certain town. And But the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salmon, and we struggled along with the coast, great difficulty. We finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lasia. I think the word is so amazing because God is such a picture God. He's got so many analogies. You can just keep unraveling the word forever. Don't say I know the word yet. You can say I know the word, but you don't know it. Just keep knowing it, knowing it in a relationship. It's just unlimited. God will just keep unraveling. Who has read his word? Um, you've read that verse a million times and you read it again and one day it just, bam, jumps off the page at you and you say, and you want to go share the revelation. They're like, yeah, I, I know that verse. Like, no, you don't get it. There's a revelation in that verse. God's word is so good. And I read this and I was like, wow, there was great difficulty, but we finally arrived at fair havens. <laughs> I love the plan and purpose of God. Sometimes we go through difficulties and we finally get into a place of settling and we think, oh, finally. Finally, I'm at Fair Havens. Who knows, just like the rest of the Bible, the story ain't over. <laughs> Who knows that the word has an ending that is so glorious, so big, the devil couldn't stop it, time couldn't stop it. Come on, your sin couldn't stop it. Come on, amen. There is an end to the story, and it's Jesus Christ. It's heaven. It's an inheritance in him. It's kingdom of God. There's a journey in between that you just, what I want to tell you today is I have hope in the Lord, and don't quit. Just keep going every single day, no matter what the situation is, ups, downs, lefts, rights, hold on, because God is our hope. It's not an earthly hope. Humans hope, I hope I get something. I hope I have. As if, let's see what happens. Our hope in Christ is fixed. It is settled. It is done. It is a knowing. And the situations in our life are irrelevant. I know I say that like a broken record. Year after year now, I've been preaching, and Dawn says you preach about these types of things a lot when I talk about the trials, because that's real life. But God is our hope. It doesn't matter what comes or goes. He will get you through. We need to cleave to him. Amen. Sometimes you're in difficulties, and sometimes you end up at fair havens. But it says that fair havens was not the end. We are not in heaven here on earth. And as Christians, we get confused when we came into sometimes a heavenly place on the earth, peace on the earth, and then we go into turmoil and we say, whoa, 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 I must have walked away from God. We stopped tithing. The devil's after me. And it's like, this is a fallen kingdom. 
You're just living in a world that is still shaking. The, come on, the Bible says even the earth is shaking, waiting for Christ. You're living in a place that has ups and downs. We have volcanoes, we have tornadoes, we have earthquakes, we have, it's real life. But it's not the it. That's not our end. That's not our hope, is it? We don't, we're not affected by those things because our hope is outside of the realm of all those things. We have a hope that this earth can't touch. Even death itself cannot steal your hope. Your hope is set outside of death. Your body is irrelevant. Your physical conditions, your mental conditions, the people around you, everything around you doesn't and cannot touch your hope in Christ. So sometimes we're at fair havens, but it says in verse 9, we had lost a lot of time. Oh, man. I just, I read this and I said, wow, I preached on this a couple of years ago and I'm going from a totally different angle. I was looking at how the Holy Spirit leads us. And I'm just looking at how the Lord is so good here. Verse 9, it says, we had lost a lot of time, and we can feel like that sometimes. And it says, the weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. He said, men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. It says, but the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Sometimes you had no choice. Come on. We need to get this now as believers. Paul, he was so close to the Lord, so close to the Lord. He had more revelations than anyone in the Bible. In fact, he had so much revelation, the Bible says that he, the Lord allowed a thorn in his side just to, so that he had to rely on Christ. He had so much revelation. He understood God so much that, he, that the Lord allowed. He said, I prayed three times for that thorn to leave, but the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. It was there to keep his revelation, to say, okay, I understand you, God, but you're still God, I'm still man. That's how much he walked with God. And here he is, and it says, they didn't listen to him, but he's in chains. He doesn't have a choice. Sometimes life puts you in chains, and it's not. We don't need to put our finger towards God. God, where are you? We, don't, we need to learn to just say, Lord, I'm along for the ride. Come on. Is this speaking to anybody today? Sometimes we need to learn to be along for the ride. It doesn't mean that we don't try. Come on, I'm not telling you you don't get in your faith and say no. He did speak up. Come on, I'm not telling you just let whatever in life happen to you. That's not Christianity either. We're going to try to do the right thing. We're going to try to stay right before the Lord, do the right things, take care of people, so on. But other people around you don't have the same opinion towards you or God. And sometimes it pushes you into a place that you didn't put yourself in. And I'm just talking, I mean, this is people, and then life can do that. People in hurricanes, people in storms, people in shootings, they didn't choose that. It's not about a lack of faith in God. It's not about even God's will is like to love them or hate them. It's just this fallen world. We need to understand that. But our hope is that, okay, Lord, you know what? I'm not surprised. Forgive me, Lord, for being surprised every time I don't understand because this life is only temporary. And I know I say that a lot, but I believe the Lord needs us to get that, that eternity is, is, is where we will live forever. And it began now 
in your heart, as the body dies, you just continue on. But that place is in, a, is in a heart thing. It's not in this body. Amen. Does that make any sense today? It said, so they don't listen to him. And when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought, <laughs> it says the sailors thought that, verse 13, that they could make it. I love this. I love this story so much. And I didn't even plan on going here as the Holy Spirit just blew me into this story. I said, okay, Lord, yes, amen, I'll trust you, and I'm going to preach what you tell me to preach, not just what I feel or what I think or what I want to. The Lord just said, no, this is what I want you to preach, and it says, and what I love about this is because times in your life, the people around you, they think they know best, but it affects your life. Come on. We, we need to pray for our president. We need to pray for Tuesday, and, but the thing is, after that, it affects your life, whether it's good or bad or how you prayed after that, there's some things that are going to be affecting your life. These two years, whether you like the man or not, have been good life. We've had some good things in this nation because of some good decisions, some decisions we don't necessarily agree with, but we've had prosperity in this country. Nobody can deny that on either side. There's been prosperity. You're affected by other people all the time. Things outside of your control. People, whether the person brings a storm or there's a natural storm, there are storms and there is peace Sometimes you're in chains. Sometimes the chains bring you to peace, and you need to learn to enjoy that time. And at times when you go back into chaos, say, Lord, I'm not going to lose my hope. I'm not going to lose my peace. Just because we left Fair Havens doesn't mean Fair Havens is going to leave my heart. Just because we left, and now we're back on the boat, Lord, I'm just as settled. I tried. I prayed. And now we're in a different position. I'm not lack of faith. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, after Tuesday, we're going to be in the same position we are for the next two years. But no matter what comes, no matter what you face in any realm, physical or spiritual, we need to learn to trust God. Is this making any sense? We need to learn to trust him and just go along for the ride, but you stay you. Do not let it affect you because this is what happens, and this is what will happen. It will continue to happen inside the church, outside the church. It says, so they pulled up the anchor. They set sail, verse 14, but the weather changed abruptly. Things in your life will change abruptly. And they may happen again and again and again, but we, just like Paul, it says a wind of typhoon strength called a nor'easter, a northeaster, right? Which is fun. Not that we enjoy them, but it's fun that they use a term that you don't get everywhere in the world. But we get that term here. We literally have that term. They don't use it everywhere. A nor'easter. And what that means is it's uh, the old English Older translations, King James calls it Euroclidon. It's the only time it's ever used in the entire Bible is this one story. And it's talking about a cyclone, a tornado on the water, right? A cyclone on the water. It's wind from all sides. It is forces out of your control. There are forces out of your control pushing you all over the place. Forces too strong to fight with your own strength all the time. And the wheel is spinning on the ship. It says that they just let go of the wheel, let the ship drive herself. You try to grab that wheel, you're going to break your hand. If you try to grab the wheel, you will break your hand. Yes, Jesus, take the wheel. It's in my notes. Amen. It's right here. You got ahead of me. Amen. 
That's when you put your hands up and you go, Jesus, take the wheel, right? <laughs> take it from my hands. Come on. I know there's a spoof song from it that says, Cletus, take the reel. Yeah. <laughs> Cletus, take the reel. <laughs> a spoof redneck like fishing song is really, really funny. Jesus, take the wheel. You can't grab that wheel. You're going to break your hands. You need to cry out to Jesus. He is the only one. The thing is, in Fair Havens, we just didn't realize he was the only one. And this is what the Lord wants us to get. You need to get him in your good time so that when you go into a bad time, you've already got him. If you try to get him in the bad time, he still shows up. That's why I started there. I wanted to tell you, you put your hand in, in that snake's den, he's going to come running. It's just you're going to have to deal with some more stuff. Come on. There'll be some pain involved. Daddy can't take the pain away, but daddy will comfort you and love you. We make mistakes, and good daddy will take you. He'll love you. He's not going to yell at you about that yet. He's going to love you, just love you, and actually cry with you, but he can't stop the pain. Kenny, he'll try to do it through consolation. We need to learn to listen to the Lord and be, to be in that place with him uh, where he's directing us that we have life in him in the good times and in the things that are out of control. And it says that, verse 15, they just let her drive. They, and King James says the ship was caught and they let her drive. Out of his hands, Paul, out of Paul's hands. We're talking Paul who had so much revelation that God had to prick him, like literally in his physical body, just so that he would remember, hey, you're not God. This is incredible. And he didn't do it to hurt him. It was just to so that Paul said, okay, Lord, I'm going to rely on your grace. I've, I know so much about you and so much. The Lord just gave him unlimited revelation. And that guy is here in a position out of control. And I thought, Lord, Wow. Why didn't Paul just speak to the waves? Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves, and they obeyed. And sometimes, listen, Paul tried to do that. I'm not telling you to lose your faith. I'm telling you that there is a hope beyond even your faith. There's a hope in Christ that is beyond your faith. Whether your faith is little or big, Jesus Christ is the hope we can cleave to, even be bigger than your faith. Come on. Because sometimes... The ship has to go its course. We are on a ship together that you can do all the praying you want, but there are some things that Revelation says are unraveling. I'm not telling you not to pray. I'm praying right along with you. Tuesday night, we're having a prayer meeting just for this nation and for our election. We're going to pray. I'm just saying that there are forces all the time. There are people around you. There are stuff going on. God's got a grand plan of things going on that's bigger than us. He loves you so much individually that Jesus paid for your life individually, and yet simultaneously there is something even bigger. There's a plan. Come on. Sometimes we just need to find, sometimes we speak to the storm, and sometimes we say, okay, Lord, we're going to ride this storm out. Okay, Lord. Yes, Lord. But it says that they began throwing cargo over, verse 18, verse 19, the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and they threw it overboard. And it says, verse 20, that the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last, 
Look what it says. Come on, let's read this together. At last, all hope was gone. It's time to get our hope back, guys. We need to get our hope back. There's been things happening in this congregation and it's been in, in your marriages and your money and stuff. And everybody's had little different things, different things going on, but stuff that just robs your hope. We just get, we get frustrated. We get uncomfortable. We, we just, <laughs> come on. I'm laughing. It's not funny. It's not funny, but I'm laughing because it seems like it's been nonstop. It's tough because I've never had this position before where I have to hear it from so many people at once. No, I'm serious, and I love every single one of you. We really do care for each of you and care for your story. Don't ever think we're being nonchalant or passive about it. We're just trust in God. But we hear so much. It's not just in this circle, but then outside that, and then even in the world scale, it becomes like, wow. It's overwhelming sometimes. Going, just everybody's got something going on, and, and we need to learn that. I'm not telling you that's normal, like, just, well, whatever, this is my life, like Eeyore. I'm just telling you to put the smile on anyway. Just the opposite. Put the smile on anyway. Because we have a hope that's bigger than that situation, that bigger than that even cancers and sicknesses and even death. We have a hope that's bigger and greater in Christ Jesus. And Paul has it because you know what it says? It says all hope was gone, but Paul didn't lose his hope. Even when everyone else lost their hope, it says, verse 21, it says, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul, he called the crew together and he said, you should have listened to me in the first place, but whatever, here we are. Thank you, Paul, for just rubbing it in their faces. And you would have avoided all this damage and loss. That's the truth sometimes. But here we are. I like to say, it is what it is. I say that's probably one of my most common phrases in life. It is what it is. Could have, should have, would have done it. <laughs> but here we are. And sometimes you just got to pick up the pieces. So Paul says, verse 22, come on, everybody, let's say this out loud. But take courage. Come on. But take courage, he said. Paul didn't lose his hope. Everyone else lost their hope. He said, none of you will lose your lives. Everybody read this part out loud, though. Come on, I know we don't want to read it out loud. Even though the ship will go down. We're going, God, where are you? God, you abandoned me. I was like, I didn't abandon you. There's some loss. Don't worry about that loss. I can build another ship. It's just a ship. We're cleaving to the ship as if that's our hope. We cleave to the things and the stuff in our peace, our fair havens, our security, our bodies. And when we're going through it, it's not fun. God's going to bring you through that, Tony. But sometimes we're like, well, God, where are you? God's like, I didn't abandon you. None of you will lose your lives. You know you can't be killed? Come on, let's, let's just preach the truth of the hope of the gospel. Did you know there is no such thing as death, being a believer? I say this a lot, but I have to say it a lot. I have to so that we're reminded because death is all around us. We don't die as believers. It said, fear, don't fear man who can kill the body. Fear God. He, it's the soul that he deals with. So my soul and your souls are secure in Christ. They can kill the body. There's a song I told Tony. Sorry, Tony, I'm picking on you. 
I told him to listen to it. I said, this song's for you. And it's a song, and the chorus goes, you may have heard it, Unspoken does it, but it says, you can bury the workmen, but the work will go on. You can silence the worker, but the work's not going to stop. Sometimes even the ship has gone down. Paul didn't lose his hope. He said, verse 23, for last night, an angel of God, and this is actually Jesus because he says, I belong and I serve, and he doesn't belong to and serve an angel. He belongs and serves Jesus as the angel of the Lord. This is, and that's referred, this is Jesus that showed up to him, and he said, and he stood beside me. Jesus didn't calm the storm. Jesus didn't save the ship, but Jesus came on the ship and stood beside him. Isn't this incredible? Guys, let's get this. They have a saying. They said, if you're not in a storm now, you're about to be in one or you've been th just been through one. I didn't write that saying. Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. One time I was going through a hard time about probably 12 years ago. The market was changing big time and I pleaded to Benjamin Arday, which by the way, mini announcement early that he'll be here next Sunday. But I said to him, I was like, I don't know, you need to, can you seek the Lord for me and get an answer? You know, like, the, you know, and he's like, it's not you and it's not God. He said, it's the market. I was so surprised that a prophet would tell me something so human. It's the market. But you know what? He was right. You need to cleave to God no matter what the market does. So there's less money. So ask the Lord to bring it in some, to do something different, which he did. God came through. But you know what he said? And I hadn't heard Winston Churchill's just young, right? Learning as you go. I was just dumb. Didn't know that quote, but he said that to me right then and there. So I love that. I've, I've held on to that quote ever since. He said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. You got to keep going. We got to learn that Jesus is right there beside us. If you've been praying and believing and it seems like that person's never going to get saved, don't quit. Don't stop. You just keep holding on. God's going to do it. Amen? Come on. Amen. God's going to do it. He's going to get us through. It may not be in the way. You may not end up where you wanted to be. Come on. Paul didn't want to be in chains. He didn't want to be on the ship. I don't want to be on the ship. I warned you guys. And yet, here we are. I love you guys so much. But let me just be brutally honest. I said my entire life, I will never stay in this area. I said, as soon as I can, I'm moving. I'm going to go to like the mountains of Colorado or something. Had a Colorado Rockies hat. Didn't even watch baseball just because I was like the Rockies. And you know what? I didn't plan it, but God knew better. I know that 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 I know, and I could do that all day. This is where I'm supposed to be, who I'm supposed to be with, my family, and my even now, this is my extent, just like Jesus said to those that he was with. He's like, okay, those are my natural family, but this is my family, those who are serving, who are walking, working with the Lord alongside me. That's my family. Amazing. God knows bigger. He knows better. He knows better. We need to get our hope and cleave to him right now. Cleave to him. No matter what time you're in, because sometimes you might be in fair havens and the ship is about to take off. 
I'm not trying to worry you. I'm telling you, get your hope in Christ so that no matter what the situation is, you're not afraid. You're not worried. Your hope is not conditional on the situation. Your hope is conditional on the unchanging, unconditional love of Christ. Period. You don't believe me. (laughs) Okay, you do. You do. We need that hope. There is nothing else. And it says that, it says that he said, and he said, don't be afraid. Verse 24, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. He's telling Paul what he's about to do. That's an amazing thing to hear too. You're going to stand trial before Caesar. Wow, that's what I wanted Jesus to come and tell me. But what's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. Jesus is telling you the same thing. No matter what you're in, no matter what you face, no matter where you are, what your life is, ups, downs, lefts, rights, no matter what happens in this nation, no matter who's elected, no matter who's not elected, that doesn't matter. Because I'm God, and I'm with you. I'm with you. Come on, he's with us. He's with us. He's with us. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. Verse 26, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. (laughs) But you know what? We don't have time to read it. Paul gets there. Remember, he reaches his hand in a bundle. Of, it's freezing cold. They were shipwrecked. They had to swim to shore. The ship breaks apart. We're talking serious waves because the, there was almost 300 prisoners and then sailors and workers. That's a decent-sized ship for that time. And it's so powerful, the waves break apart the ship at the shore. They have to swim to shore. They're freezing cold. Paul starts a, is helping start the fire with the wood, reaches his hand into the wood. A snake jumps out and bites his hand. Like, Lord, I've been through enough. It's not my fault. I didn't put us here. What did I do? <laughs> I'm the one that warned them. I told them we shouldn't be here. And now a snake bites me and they go, ooh. Oh, man. Whoa, 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 whoa. You must be a murderer or something because prisoners, you got saved. Man, the ship didn't go down, but God still got you. And he just shook it off. And they watched him later and said, wow. The snake didn't kill him. So because of that, they brought someone to him. He heals them. Then because of that, the whole community comes to him and they have an amazing time of God on that island that Paul didn't plan on being on. Certainly warned them that we don't need to be here, but God is still God. God doesn't change. That's why God works all things together. See, we look at the situation and we judge whether God's with us or for us or against us. And we need to just come to terms with God is for us. He is always with you. It doesn't mean that there won't be shipwrecks and storms, but you have to come to terms with that is this life. If it was with Paul, if it was with Paul, I promise you it'll be with you too. But he was not deterred. It didn't stop him. And what wonderful things can we say about these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? It's amazing. As always, there's so much. 
I told myself today, I'm going to just preach for about 20 minutes. And you can laugh at that. That is funny. I just wanted to close with this one verse. It says, this was the verse that was on my cup. Hebrews 6, it says, this hope, verse 19, Hebrews 6, verse 19, this hope, it says in verse 18, God has given us both his promise and his oath, and these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. When God says, I love you, I've redeemed you, I will save you, you need to look at that promise that is untouchable instead of looking at everything else. It's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And this is my mug. Verse 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It's a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The only anchor, I, I hate to be this guy, the only anchor though, fine, read your books, go see people and talk to people, that's fine, come here, be a part of this congregation, etc. I'm not telling you not to be the believer. Don't forsake the gathering together of believers. But at the end of all that, the only anchor is Jesus Christ himself, period. You're going to find him here. But he is the anchor. And we cleave to him. I'm telling you, God, it doesn't matter. I know there's been some shakings. There's some waves in, in many of your lives. There's things in your lives. And maybe that's not relevant to everyone, but we're hearing all of it, so... God is your hope, period. I'm just going to leave it at that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you are our hope, that you have a plan and purpose for this church. You have a plan and purpose for each and every life here, Lord God. I thank you, Lord. It doesn't matter how the situation came. We cry out to you, and I thank you, Lord, that you immediately come and you save us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, that there is no such thing as loss anyway. Your word says, thank you, Lord, that our inheritance is in heaven. Your word says that what the enemy has stolen, he must pay back sevenfold anyway. So we thank you, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. We give you praise, and we cleave to you our only hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.